Awesome. Well, it is great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going we're gonna to mix it up today. We're going to do something a little bit different. So we told you about this the past two weeks. We're actually going to have a panel today for a little question and answer. We thought, man, what would be a great way to close out our series on the original guide to healthy relationships? So rather than having a message today, we've selected six amazing people of different ages, different backgrounds, different vocations and education, and we're going to do a little q and I'm going to be your, your host today. I'm going to be your moderator today. Um, so it, it's going to be a really good time. I'm really excited. So if, if I've asked you to be a part of the panel, I'm going to ask my six participants. Would you come to the stage? Vicki, Bev, Craig, Gina, Hannah, Pastor Kelly. Would you guys give it up for these people? You guys can sit wherever you want. Come on up and join us. Man, look at these gorgeous people. This is going to be fantastic. Craig, I'm going to ask you to hold that. And then if we need to pass it around, we can pass it around. Pastor Kelly, I'm going to give you this one. And then we can pass that around accordingly. Everybody good? You guys got some water? I'm definitely going to need it. All right. You guys excited? All right. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, just so that we can kind of connect with, with our Faith Chapel family and they can get to know us a little bit. Would you say your first name? And we can, we can pass these mics around. I'll start with, I'll start with Craig. Um, first name, maybe like one or two quick facts so that people could get to know you, maybe kids, grandkids, your vocation, education, whatever, whatever you feel is appropriate. So first name, one or two quick things. Start us out there. Yeah. My name is Craig Giancola. This is my lovely wife, Gina. We have three beautiful daughters and, uh, that's about it. (laughs) I'm Gina, as he said. Uh, we've been going here for about four or five years. Uh, we homeschooled our three girls, and um, Craig is in sales, and I'm the bookkeeper for his businesses, and we're loving life. I'm Vicki, and I've been here for about 16 years. Um, I live out in the country with my husband and two dogs. I was born and raised in Alabama, and... I've been here a long time. <laughs> that works. Um, I'm Hannah. Uh, let's see. I'm a dancer. Love Jesus. And uh, I've been going here for, like, seriously going here for, like, a few, three, four years. So. Thank you. I'm Bev Madison, and uh, I've been a member of Faith Chapel for 23 years. Come on now. I'm loving every minute of it. I have um, 13 grandchildren, five children, and seven great-grandchildren. So I enjoy them all. I got one here, too. Hi, um, my name is Kelly Tuttle, and my husband and I are the pastors here at this um, wonderful church. We've been coming here since, I think, 1996 or 97. We started pastoring here, I think I should have got my facts a little straighter, so if I'm a year or two off, will you forgive me? I think uh, since 2003, and we have been leading the church, I think, almost 10 years. It's going to be almost 10 years, I think, so it went by fast. So I uh, have been married, um, it's going to be 27 years in October, and we have four beautiful children, and God is just overwhelmingly good. So. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. So, so here's, here's what we're going to do today. This is what it's going to look like. Uh, we have some questions that were submitted by you. We asked you for the past couple weeks to use the mobile app to use the connection card and say, hey, what would you like to know about relationships as we are concluding the series? So we compiled some questions that I'm going to ask different uh, of the different participants up here um, just so that we can get a further grasp on healthy relationships and we can continue to be intentional. So you're going to see questions that not only draw from the past couple weeks on boundaries or conflict resolution or godly confrontation, 
conversation, but you're going to see questions on relationships in general. We hope that regardless of your age or your background or the types of relationships that you have right now, that you're going to be able to learn something from these uh, amazing members of our Faith Chapel family. So panel participants, you guys just, just act like we're having a conversation. It might be a little intimidating. The lights, I know, might get a little warm up here, but this is, this is, this is like our living room. Treat it like our living room. I want you guys to be, to be honest um, because you have something to offer to our family. Because we can learn something from each other, right? All right, so I just ask you to keep your answers brief with the best content. And then um, if, if I'm going to ask people to add on, I'll, I'll moderate that. And I might, I might throw a question out at two people. And we're just going to do it. You guys ready? You guys ready? Three of you are ready. That's okay. I love you. All right, we're going to jump right in. This is a, a question submitted by one of the members of our Faith Chapel family. Bev, I'm going to ask you... Uh, to handle uh, this question. By the way, there is, um, if, if you have our mobile app, if you've downloaded Faith Chapel's mobile app, you can go in the mobile app and there's spaces for you to take notes if you'd like to jot a few things down as our, as our panel response. So Bev, I'm going to ask you this question. Is it okay to be honest with someone who uses me and lies to me? This person said, I do still want this person's friendship, but I can't due to uh, the drugs and the lies in her life. What would you tell this person? aren't going to have a good relationship with the Lord if you're not having a good relationship with your friends. And it's only fair it's only fair to uh, do some confronting here. Um, I would definitely tell this person that you can't be friends with someone, even though you want to be, you can't be friends with someone who is going against God's wishes. And the truth is, if you love someone and you don't confront them, you're enabling them. If you uh, confront someone without love, then you are definitely criticizing or judging them. So you have to be very careful how, how you do this. And I would just bring out the true facts and just uh, tell them that you don't condone what they're doing and that if they don't stop doing what they're doing, you, you may have to end this friendship. That's excellent. Come on. Oh, man, that is so good. So what I hear you saying is there's, there's a balance. We don't want to go to either extreme. If we don't confront them, we're enabling them. But when we do confront them, we want to do it in love with the facts. Bev, that is so good. Thank you so much. All right, I'm really excited for this, this next question, uh, being a husband. So I'm going to ask Vicki to answer this first, and then Pastor Kelly, I'm going to ask you to, to answer it as well. So, so here's the question. How do you establish healthy habits of open communication with your spouse, regardless of, of feelings which can change, challenges, regardless of everyday life, how do you establish healthy habits of open communication with your spouse? Go ahead, Vicki. Well, every marriage has conflict, and we, we all have our ways of communicating and using our words to express our ideas within that marriage. Communication is the foundation of every good marriage. And without open communication, you lose that sense of closeness. But what we want is effective communication. And it does not happen overnight, so you have to enter into it prayerfully. Prayer sets the tone for open communication in love. In Corinthians, we find that love edifies, builds up, uh, makes stronger. So pray for oneness in your marriage and pray for godly wisdom in your marriage. Effective communication means regular, open, honest, clear conversations about everything where you're able to tell your spouse how you feel. And sometimes that means telling your spouse how their actions make you feel. Sometimes when you love someone, you think, well, they should know how I feel. Do not expect anyone to be able to read your mind. 
It's important to take responsibility for your own feelings about your spouse's actions. For example, you might say, when you say this, when you do this, I feel this. Never let situations build up. Deal with them as they come up. Do not keep secrets. Be clear about what your concerns are and be clear about what your expectations are. Be open-minded and listen. Good communication begins with listening. Listening builds trust and self-esteem. In Proverbs, we read, He who answers a matter before he hears it is folly and a shame. So learn to listen well. Not only will you learn more about your spouse when you listen, but you also make them feel important when you give your full attention, complete with smiles, nods, and eye contact. Timing is everything. Try to find a quiet place with no distractions, and if you're at home, turn the TV off. Give your full attention to what the other person has to say. Show that you care about what the other person has to say. Show empathy. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Express understanding. And always, always, always leave out criticism, anger, resentment, bitterness, blame, revenge, insults, all of those things. And force. Show an openness to their point of view. You're not trying to one-up your spouse. Be thoughtful of their opinion. Be considerate of their feelings. Practice kindness. Talk without accusation. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Our communication should always be with grace and seasoned with salt. Grace is the salt that seasons our communication. It makes it agreeable and keeps it from causing hurt. Man, that is so good. Vicki, I love what you said, leave out, leave out the anger, leave out the blame and all that stuff. Because I love what my father-in-law, Pastor Chris, said a couple weeks ago. If you weren't here, please go on our website or on our mobile app and listen to his message on uh, conflict resolution. He said, attack the issue, don't attack the person. And I think that was so good, what you just said. Like, putting yourself out there, but we're not, we're not, we're not throwing arrows, we're not trying to one-up our spouse. I think that's absolutely awesome. Pastor Kelly. Yeah, um, that was amazing. Wow. <laughs> that was like a message right there. Um, I, I think about establishing healthy relationships. I once heard someone say at a wedding about, um, how, you know, about marriage is like serving one another. You know, it's like being selfless. So it's like, how can I outserve that person? You're not in a competition, but it's putting the other person first and just, uh, just you know, serving them, loving them. You know, marriage should be a safe place. You should be able to let your guard down and feel safe, knowing that they're not going to criticize you, but they're going to hold you up. And in your worst moments, that they're there to bring they're there to bring help and comfort, even if they don't know what to say. So establishing that safe place. So, you know, not criticizing, um, like Vicki said, and not putting down, um, but just being there. And, you know, uh, this is kind of, I'm sorry for kids being in the room, it's kind of gross, but, um, uh, you know, like, don't forget to be intimate in your marriage. <laughs> I heard someone say this one time. They're like, you know, uh, you know, we're having a fight. They're like, go, go you know what, so, (laughs) and um, I'm telling you, God created that, and it breaks down walls, and a lot of times, there's tension in marriage, because that's left out of the marriage, and it's not healthy, it's not healthy, God created man and women to leave their father and mother, and cleave to one another for a reason, because walls comes down, and you're able to be together, and be close, and, and, and be loving, and so that's super important for healthy relationships and establishing that um, in your home. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. I think creating safety is so important. Yeah, come on, come on. Give it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think in what I've learned from just under four years of marriage is if, if I don't feel safe, um, and a lot of times that's on me as well. It's not necessarily that I'm putting it on my wife. But I forgot something. When you're go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do that all the time. 
my husband's very patient with me. Um, you know, like, who said, you know how the Bible says, you know, about coming back to your first love? It says, do the things you did at first. An important thing for a healthy marriage is do the things that you did at first. I mean, what did you do in the first part when you were dating your spouse? You went on dates, right? You dressed up, <laughs> right? You looked well, and you planned things together. You went on walks together. It didn't have to be expensive. It's just you wanted to be together. So, like, don't stop going on dates. My husband and I go on a whole day date every week. (laughs) Friday's our day. We're together and we just spend, and I think about what he likes and I put my stuff on the shelf because it's about him and he puts his stuff on the shelf because it's about me and we just love one another and I dress up for him. You know, like I I bought this new dress for him. He didn't see it yet unless he's watching online. But like I, I try to do things to bless him because I know what he likes. And it's the same thing, you know, like why wait? You know, it's not supposed to end. Keep it fresh and keep it real, you know, and, and I think God will bless that. Amen. That's awesome. That's so good. So from what I hear from you guys is just be intentional about the communication. Don't take a personal, create safety and then go back to those things that we did at first. Come on. That is awesome in terms of just keeping communication open and, and a marriage healthy. That's, that's absolutely awesome. Thank you. All right. Um, I'm really excited for this next question because I believe that it, it, it connects to the very existence of Faith Chapel. The whole reason why Faith Chapel exists, our mission is to raise up disciples to impact the world. And, and that's why I think this next question is so awesome. So I'm going to ask Hannah to answer this first, and then I'm going to ask uh, Gina to answer it as well. He, here's the question. How do I relate in a loving way to others who are not Christians. Jesus commanded his disciples, and that includes us, to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I've taught you and to obey the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and all these other things. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission and fulfill the mission of Faith Chapel, which is, which is really why we are here, why, why our, our family exists, how do we relate to people that are not Christians in a loving way? Um, I would say first to like stay strong in who you are, like know what you believe, know what you stand for. Mm -hmm. Um, And like when it comes to um, relating to non-Christians, like I find that a lot of people just want to belong, like everyone. We're all made with like the sense that of that we need to belong, that we need to be accepted. And a lot of people reject Christianity just because they they've been hurt. And like we're people, (laughs) we make mistakes, like it happens. Um, but it's definitely important, like, to continue to love on them and show them Jesus's love. Like, I think it's really important to, to form relationships because when you form a relationship, it opens doors. Like, you get to know the person. You're able to speak life into their situations where maybe their non-believer friends aren't able to, you know, um, yeah, like investing, investing time, it opens doors for, for ministry. Like yeah. people will like notice the light in you. They'll be drawn to you and they'll be like, what is different about you? Like there's just something I can't place my finger on it. And that's like your time to be like, it's Jesus, you know? Um, uh, Chris Vallotton, he said this really great quote. It said, when someone believes in you before you deserve it, it transforms you. So like, translating that into like your relationships with other people like when you believe in them and you empower them like we're called to do like we're supposed to draw the callings out of other people and push them into it you know like it it transforms them and it leads them back to christ um jesus said love others as i have loved you and by this they will know that you are my disciples come on that is so good that's fantastic all right gina how would you answer that question? How can we relate to others in a loving way who are not Christians? And I was immediately thinking about family members because um, it's often easy to love friends, even if they're not believers. But when it comes to family, I feel like it's a whole different thing. Um, the first thing that I always think about is the golden rule. And the golden rule says to treat others the way that you want to be treated. So um, that's really thinking of the other person. And usually hurt people hurt people. So if someone does offend you or hurt you, it's usually there's, there's an underlying reason. Um, the thing that I try to remember is uh, those that are not believers and are not like-minded as we are, um, I treat them 
the way I would an enemy, so to speak. And when, when I say enemy, the, the word talks about loving your enemies. An enemy doesn't necessarily mean someone you're fighting with. Um, it could be anyone that you don't have the same common ground with. And so in Luke 6, it talks about that, and it says that and Jesus taught us to love our enemies, to do good to them, to uh, bless them, and to pray for them. And so uh, those are the things that I try to think to do. So I have a story, um, an example. My mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is not saved. Um, and, you know, over the years I've been hurt by different things, but I, I try to overlook what I can overlook. And um, recently I thought, you know, she'd come to my mind, and I realized it was God prompting me to pray for her. And as I prayed for her, I asked the Lord to give me a love for her. And so recently, she had some hip surgery, and she couldn't, you know, get up and move around, and she had to rely on her husband to help her to do everything, go to the bathroom. Uh, She couldn't, you know, go up the stairs to go to bed, so they had a bed on the main floor. Um, But what I did is I I really believe God gave me this idea. I thought, you know, she, my father-in-law needs help. Uh, he's doing it all alone. I wanted to give him a break. So I had called up and uh, decided to bring them dinner and stay with her for a few hours. So to me, loving someone is putting it to action. It's not, it's not always the words. I think that a lot of times when you do for others and you really think of their needs, it's so powerful. And um, so I did that a couple times and just spent time visiting with her, and I know it was appreciated. So, you know, that's the thing that I think about is is loving and doing it with your actions. Come on, that is so good. good. That's fantastic. I I heard Andy Stanley say it like this. He said, "When we're when we're building relationships with people, and if and if one of the 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 end, you know." goals of building that relationship is so that people come to know Jesus. He said the, the relational bridge that we build with them has to be strong enough to support the truth of the gospel that we eventually want to deliver to them. I heard someone else say that a lot of times our relationships are like, they're like a bank account, you know, and if we want to take withdrawals, if, if we want to people to hear what we have to say, then we have to be investing in that account because we, we withdraw so much from our bank account and then we overdraft and we're paying fees and it's, it's not that good. So th- thank you so much. That's great. Just loving people, putting it into action, and then they'll just see, they'll see our actions because uh, Jesus said that. They'll, they'll know us by our love. Come on, that's, that's so good. Well, listen, this is the perfect segue into the next question because sometimes sometimes I, I mentioned Hannah or Hannah mentioned and I heard Gina say this too sometimes sometimes we're hurt by people it just happens in relationships whether it's expectations or words that are that are said sometimes uh, we're just hurt so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask um, Vicky first and then Bev to answer this next question um, here it is how can we effectively let go and move on from previous hurts and relationships if someone hurts us how do we how do we move on from that. No matter no matter who you are, I think at some point in your life you experience hurt and pain. And I think that to begin to deal with the hurt and the pain, you need to first acknowledge the situation. It might be important to talk to or confront that person, a person who caused you hurt. And you might also get uh, support and help from a parent, a pastor, a doctor, or a friend. So when we are hurting, uh, our hearts are hardened, and we lose sight of all that we are and all that people are. Prayer brings about a softening and a perspective. Prayer will give us an awareness that we want to get rid of the bad feeling and our own pain and begin to allow Jesus to heal. Do not allow your pain to distract from the purpose that God has in your life. Your problem serves a good purpose. God is able to work it out for your good. And when you lean on God, you take the pressure off yourself, believing that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Pray for forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Forgive those that caused you hurt and pain. There's deep power and breakthrough in forgiveness. The Holy Spirit enables us to forgive and to move on. 
not saying that what was done to you is okay. Just saying, I forgive you because Jesus forgave me. Ask God for his heart about the person that wronged you. See them through God's lens of grace and redemption. Get healing ministry for the hurts of the past so that your conclusions about who you are lines up with the word of God. And trust that God is an incredibly good father who has amazing things for you. Come on, that is so good. Bev, what about you? How can we effectively let go from from previous hurt and pain? Well, I can't add a lot to what she just said, but um, my main thing is forgiveness. That that's the the clue. You have to ask for forgiveness, and forgiveness doesn't always come easy, and sometimes it comes back again and the wounds reopen and so we kind of have to on a daily basis ask God to forgive us um, and to help us with that with that forgiveness because as he said in Matthew 6 12 we've you know as we're forgiven our debts we need to forgive our debtors we have to cancel those debts, totally cancel those debts, keep moving forward, um, and ask God, as I said, every day to help you forgive. Forgiveness is um, not avenged. You, you, God says, he, I am the avenger, do not avenge. I am the avenger. So you have to just let go of those things and, and don't even think about getting back at anyone. Just give it to God and he will take care of it. That is so good. I think what Vicki pointed out helps me a lot because when we start to see other people from God's perspective, not just according to what they've done or they've said, you know, pointed at us, which may cause the hurt and the pain. But when we see people from God's perspective, I think that helps me love people like he loves me because God doesn't associate our value or our worth based on our actions. He always sees us according to the destiny and the purpose and, and, and the, the person that the blood of Jesus has made us. I think that's, I think that's so good. While we're on the topic of forgiveness, I'm going to ask Pastor Kelly, and then I'll also ask Hannah to answer this question. So a couple Sundays ago, um, your husband actually said this. He said that not forgiving someone actually negatively affects us rather than giving us power over the other person. Sometimes we think, oh, if I don't forgive them, then you know I'm having some power or I'm getting back at them. But he showed us how that actually negatively affects us. Was there a time in your life where maybe you didn't forgive someone and then you regretted it because you, you saw it negatively affect you. Yes. Okay. And just to even back up what David said, there, um, when my husband spoke that week, he had like um, easy steps that he made up on how to forgive. And it's on the... Um, it's on the bulletin board near the bathrooms. On just it's just you can keep it in your Bible. You can take a picture of it if you want. Keep it in your phone just to remind yourself how to forgive because it's super important in in relationships. For me, okay, uh, being uh, you know in the ministry, uh, you know people can be mean sometimes, and um, you know no, not in church. You know, not in church relationships. You're crazy, but sometimes people can not always be nice, and so um, I can usually let it roll off um, and be totally fine. But when it happens to my children, um, it makes it a little bit harder for me. And so there was years. Um, that were stolen from me because I held a grudge. And, you know, um, some of my children were treated unfairly, um, just, you know, like someone said earlier, hurt people hurt people, you know, and they had issues. And so I, I believe that because I held, I had issues with, with people, I went, you know how in the Bible it talks about the Israelites, you know, it only, it only should have taken 
you know, a little while for them to get into the promised land, but it took them 40 years because they went around the mountain. They went around the mountain. And so the Lord spoke to me one time. He's like, you're going around the mountain because you're not letting this go. You know, like Bev was saying, you know, I I can take care of it. I'm a big God. I can deal with these things. So I had to learn how to let it go. And when I let it go, a weight came off and I started to live again. Because what happens is you get robbed You get robbed of living the abundant life. You get robbed of living life. So the best thing to do is cancel the debt, let it go, and just bless them. The Bible talks about blessing those who curse you. So being able to be kind and bless them. And it got to a point where someone was mean to me and yelling and doing something because I forgot to call them one day. And it got to the point where I was able to literally rub their back and love on them while they were screaming at me. (laughs) It was only God. And just, you know, just say, I'm so sorry. You're right. I didn't call you. And I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? And, And I was fine. You know, I was totally fine because I know, you know, it's not that that's not really who they are you know God created us not to be angry and mean right he created us to have life so I can look at them in that way and just pray for them in that way so I hope that helped come on that is so good so um I have a little bit of a story um my one of my very dear friends she is right now is going through treatment for an eating disorder and that's just it's been really rough um but so a few months ago she was supposed to come see me sing for something and last minute she was like hey I'm sick I can't come and like it was okay like I understand if she's sick like she can't come but I had this feeling like she's lying to me and like we've never had a type of relationship where like we've had to lie to each other like everything's always always been open And so I I just had this feeling, and I kind of, I wanted to confront it. Like, I kind of, like, hinted with, like, little questions, like, hinting that I knew she was lying, and then she just, she would blow it off. So I was like, okay, I can't, I can't bring this to her right now. Like, I did not really understand how to confront the situation, because, like, I didn't, I didn't want to offend her, and I didn't want to lose trust, but that was kind of not smart on my part, because I ended up, um, I I got angry, like, ask anyone who's really close to me, I was very upset for, like, a week. Like, I I started to, like, I tried to avoid her. I didn't want to talk to her. If someone started talking about her, I'd be like, I don't even want to talk about it. And I was, I was very, very, very bitter. And so a week later, um, after being bitter, um, I happened to be listening to a podcast by Chris Ballatin, and it just so happened to be on um, forgiveness. And um, halfway through the message, um, I just, I, I heard God so clearly tell me that if I continued to not confront the problem, that seed of bitterness would just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I, I was so, so convicted. He, and he, he said, um, like, how can you say that you love her, that you love me, and that you'll always be there for her if you won't even confront her, if you won't, if you're refusing to even talk to her? So I was, I was so wrecked. I was like, okay, God, please forgive me. Like, like forgive me for holding this grudge, for letting this seed of bitterness grow. Um, and in that moment, I forgave her in my heart. And um, not even a day later after I forgave her, I, I didn't say anything. She texted me. She was like, I'm so sorry. I need to tell you everything. Like, this is the truth. And, like, and, and it only happened after I forgave her. I wasn't expecting an apology from her, but, like, God had to confront me because I refused to say anything at all. So, like, forgiveness is its definitely a major, major part because it, it, will, it will set you free, and it will also set that other person free. Come on, that is so good. That's fantastic. Man, you hit forgiveness and confrontation in the same answer. Oh, yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Well, we haven't heard from Craig yet, so, Craig, I'm going to direct this this next question to you. So I'll ask the question, then I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate it uh, to make it a little more clear. So how do, how do we talk with someone after discovering that they have an offense unknowing to us against us? So how do we talk to someone after we, we find out that they have an offense? I'll, I'll give you an illustration that I've run into so many times. So say you're, you're hanging out with somebody and you make a joke and instantly you think, man, I went a little bit too far. You apologize to the person, and then they say, oh, it's okay. And then say two weeks later they come back, and they say, oh, man, you know, that, that, that offended me. And you didn't know because in that moment they, they said it's okay. How do you navigate that? How do you have that conversation with them? Um, 
let me back up by saying I was raised in a non-Christian home, and our method of communication was sarcasm, okay? And um, I was, you say, baptized in the Holy Spirit of sarcasm for a lot of my life, so I can speak on this subject pretty good, unfortunately. Um, sarcasm can be hilarious at times, but unchecked, it can cut like a knife, okay? And you can wound very deeply, um, so what do I do when this happens? First thing I do is I go to God and ask for forgiveness. The second thing I do is I humble myself, and I go directly to that person. And, for example, if you were the one I offended, I'd say, Dave, I've, I've noticed that we've been distant lately, and I just wanted you to know that if I have said or done anything that may have offended you, um, I'm truly sorry. And then I would ask for your forgiveness. Um, Matthew five twenty three twenty four says this, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering and go first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. I got an example of being sarcastic this week. Um, long story short, I had a critical shipment to a customer that was due on Wednesday, they needed to have the product so they could serve their customers properly. Our warehouse didn't get it out in time, so now we're a day late. He called me and says, Craig, where's my order? I said, let me look into it. So I, I call uh, the shipping company, and they tell me that uh, we got held up, and it was supposed to be there between 3 and, and 5, and now it's 5.30, my customers are saying, where's the stuff? So I'm, like, fired up because I really care about my customers. I want to do the best to them, and I want to, you know, be a good, godly example of, of excellence in business. I try the best I can. Well, I kind of dropped the ball because I got the dispatcher at the terminal, and I said, listen, your girl told me that the delivery is between 3 and 5. It's now 5.30. My customer, it's a Friday. My customer wants to start his weekend. He doesn't have any product for his customers. He goes, well, uh, I go, give me a time frame so he knows when to be there. He says, well, between 5 and 6 feet, 6.15, I said, is that a real number? Did you pull that out of your ear? And um, he's, <laughs> I didn't say that word, but I said something similar. And it wasn't that one either. Um, <laughs> it might have been rear. I don't know. But he says, what did you say? I said, um, let's stay on topic. Is that a real accurate time frame? Because i got to let my customer know. He said, what did you say? I said, i got to get back to my customer thinking. I hung up. Then this thing called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> It's like, knock, knock, knock. I'm like, yeah, I know, I goofed up. And he says, you need to call that guy back and apologize. I said, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so I called him back, the guy, and ironically, I didn't get the office girl. I got him directly. I said, is this the guy I just talked to about the Wellsville, New York delivery? He goes, yep. I could send some reservation. I said, I owe you an apology. He goes, oh, dude, like, that's not necessary. He goes, what you told me is like nothing. I hear stuff all day far worse. I go, no, no, no. I, I really didn't act professionally, and I apologize. He says, man, that was really nice of you to do that, and thank you so much for, for letting me know that, and have a great weekend. So, so good. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. It's absolutely amazing. Well, Actually, that's, that's going to provide a segue into our, our next question. So what you experienced there was uh, you know business relationship, but someone not following through on their commitment in a, in a business relationship. And, and sometimes that can, that can cause stress, sarcasm can come up, but that sometimes even can cause uh, hurt when, when we're on the receiving end of an unfulfilled commitment or a broken promise in a relationship. And I think that probably most, not, if not all of us, can relate to that. So I'm going to ask uh, Gina first and then Pastor Kelly. Um, how do you honor the commitments that you make in your relationships? How are you intentional? Because like you even mentioned the golden rule earlier, and that's what keeps me intentional and focused on fulfilling my commitments. Because when someone makes a promise to me and then doesn't follow through on it, it can be hurtful, it can be stressful, you know, depending on the situation. So what do you do in your life to remain consistent in keeping those commitments in the context of your relationships. I was not always good at this one. Um, sometimes someone, I'd see someone, a familiar face, and they'd say, well, let's get together. And I'd be like, yeah, let's get together. And then, 
you know, I don't make any effort to do that. And I've, I know I've hurt people by doing that. And um, so I've really worked on that. And I have to say the first thing is if, if I do make a commitment, I really try to follow through. Um, and sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it takes sacrifice to keep commitments. Um, but, you know, the word talks about letting your yes be yes. And so if you do um, say you're going to do something, follow through. Um, the other thing is don't make a promise that you don't intend to keep. And that's the one that I don't think I was good about. Um, so don't open your mouth unless you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Um, if you're not sure, I, I've even you know talked to my kids about this. Tell the person, you know, I'm not sure. Let me think about it, and I'll get back to you. Um, you know, so it's better to wait and think about it than just to always say yes to everything. And I have to point out, even in ministry, I used to get confused thinking that if I was asked to do something, okay, God must want me to do this, and it's a good thing. But you have to also recognize that that God provides. And if it's not you, it will be someone else. So make sure that even in ministry and even in things that you think are good things, make sure you're, you're prioritizing and you're not just saying yes just to please the person. Make sure it's really God um, wanting you to do what you're asked to do. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that um, if you run into a problem, so if if let's say you say yes to something and you forget, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be away that weekend, so I can't do X, Y, Z, then make a respectful appeal. Um, so when you appeal to that person, you might go and say something like, um, listen, I, I, I know I said that I would be there this weekend to whatever babysit, um, but I forgot that I'm supposed to be away. And, you know, I actually promised that two weeks ago. And so how about I help you find a replacement? So you're kind of even not only, you know, being honest, saying, you know, recognizing the fact that you did make a promise to that person to babysit. um, But then you also go to the extent of saying, let me help you find a way to make this right. Um, So that's really good. Pastor Kelly, what would you add to that? Um, I would just say, um, I know some of you in this room probably have um, grown up maybe with someone in your life or many people in your life where they promise you and it never comes through. And it can be super frustrating. And, um, you know, I would just say to that, just, um, uh, you know, I had that happen to me. And so I just had to decide in my life that for me, I am going to keep promises, and I am not going to hold a grudge with that person. I don't know what's going on in their head. Like Gina was saying, I forgot to do this. I forgot. I don't know what's going on in their head or what's happening, and so I have to choose to not be mad at that person, to let that go, and to choose not to, to be frustrated. I may be frustrated. I may have to like have talks with God or someone close to me, but I have to choose that I'm not going to walk in a fence. I'm going to, you know, I try to live an offense-free life, you know, and it's a choice where I have to say I'm not going to be offended. But then I can say on my end, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, um, even, you know, about, um, you know, she said about your yes, be yes, but as far as it depends on you, have peace with all men. And then, you know, um, if you promise something, you know, do your best. I can't even think of the scripture. It just left me. I had it in my head. But like, <laughs> do your best. You know, if you say something, do it. You know what I mean? Like, just do it and uh, do your best to keep your word. So I just, you know, with my children, I, you know, I don't always, you know, sometimes we say something and then something comes up, but I just have to choose to do my best to fulfill the things that I promise my children, the people in my life, and then to be honest when I, get, when I mess up and get it wrong, and then not to be mad at people if they do that to me. I'm, I'm only uh, control of myself, right? We're powerful people. We control ourselves, so we can choose not to be offended, and we can choose to uh, fulfill our promises that we made. Amen. Excellent. So good. I'm going to ask Hannah to answer this question, and then I'll ask Craig to add anything. When I, when I think of relationships, I think one of the most single most significant things that sticks out to me is that how much the people that we surround ourselves with, our relationships, like, 
navigate our lives sometimes. Like it really determines the direction and the quality of our lives. So when you need godly advice from someone, what are some steps that you take? Because, I mean, there's so many things that we could do. We could ask a bunch of people or, you know, do a bunch of different things. When you need godly advice, what are the steps that you take? Well, first I, um, first I go to God because I, I, he has all the answers, you know. Um, and sometimes I'm just I'm not willing to listen or I'm just not fully focused on what he's saying. So first I'll ask him, like, God, open my eyes. Is there something I'm not seeing? Am I part of the problem? And then I'll ask him to um, highlight specific people to me that I know um, have a spiritual depth that I know would be able to speak into my life and that would have wisdom on the topic. Um, I'm Over, like, the last year... Um, my prayers have definitely been answered for God to bring, like, godly people that are after his heart. Um, Because, like, when I went to school, like, everyone always made things such a bigger problem than they actually were because that's, and so, like, that's what I did because that's all I knew. So it took me a while to, like, to shift my view, like, I need to go to people who know what they're talking about, who know God, who are willing to speak into my life. Awesome. Craig, what would you add to that? Well, in defense of my previous comments, I did not, God is my witness, use a double money sign, okay? I didn't use that word. Um, Before I was a Christian and I was just starting my business, I was counseled a long time ago by a business mentor. He said, you need a good lawyer, a good CPA, and a good relationship with your banker. Um, As Christians, um, we have to have someone that we can go to that's, um, I would recommend that person being equal or even stronger in the faith than, than we are. Um, so who is that person in your life? I'd like to ask all of you. Um, do you have that person? Um, how do I find one? Well, pray and ask God to bring this person into your life. Um, another way uh, is your mentor may be sitting next to you. Um, after the service, get to know people. Mingle in the reception area. And try to connect there with someone that uh, could be, who knows, might be a future spiritual mentor. Um, Once you connect, fellowship with that person. Um, Go out and have coffee or maybe talk regularly. Get to know each other. Um, Start a Bible study or do a book study together. Just grow in Christ. When life gets tough, it's very helpful to have someone you can count on to give you godly advice and direction. And I know Gene and I use this Bible verse quite often throughout our walk. Um, when making a decision or receiving counsel, um, I recommend testing it against James 3.17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's a good way to test counsel. And if you have a big decision in your life, everything lines up with God. Oh, that's so good. That's excellent. Thank you. All right, we have time for one more question. So I'm actually going to uh, I'm actually going to ask four people to answer this. So I'm going to ask um, Pastor Kelly, Bev, Hannah, and Gina. Okay, we'll go we'll go right down the line. And this this pertains to this pertains to parenting. And I want to point out that and, and you'll you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. But Hannah isn't a parent. But she has an amazing mom. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective uh, on this, too. So Pastor Kelly, um, then Bev, then Hannah, and, and Gina. We'll finish with this question. What is the greatest, what is the one greatest piece of advice that you would give to parents who want to maintain healthy relationships with their kids? What's the one piece of advice you would offer to parents who want to maintain healthy relationships with their kids? Do you want me to start? Yeah, you start. Okay. I think Gina should start, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, You know, like, um, value them, honor them. You know, you're there, um, you're there to parent them, you know, and you're there to help them and guide them. But, you know, don't lord over them. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you can get um, parents that are just, like, so, you know, demanding and rah, 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 And sometimes, you know, you, you have to have discipline. Like, we discipline is good for us. And having boundaries is what kids need. They need that. But not forcing them. Like, they're powerful people. They can make their own decisions. But showing them what the best decisions is. You know, I always thought, like, you know, with older children... Having them in their home and letting them fail is a good thing. 
You know, we're always thinking, oh, everything has to be perfect. They have to do all the perfect things. But you know what? When you allow your children to fail in your home, you're there to help them, to show them how to do it right. You know what I mean? So you're not controlling your children doesn't work. When you're, God doesn't control us. You know what I'm saying? Like he gave us a choice. He didn't say you're my kids. That's it. You know, he gave us a choice. Salvation is a choice. And so allowing your children to make right decisions and helping them through them in an honoring way is going to cause them to be mature and it's going to cause them to grow. And then when they leave their house, they're going to be able to make right decisions. And that relationship is still open, that they're going to trust you, that you're not going to get mad at them when they make a mistake, but you're going to be there for them. You know, you're going to lift their arms up and you're going to help them grow to succeed because God always wants us to succeed and we want our kids to succeed too. So that's awesome. Very good. Bev, what about you? I would say love them unconditionally. Um, And the point that you made, let them know that they can come to you no matter what they have done, no matter what they are feeling, and you will listen. Be good listeners. Um, I would say um, pick your battles. Pick your battles. For instance, uh, you don't want to make a big deal. If you come in their room at night and they're laying in bed at 1 o'clock in the morning and they're on their cell phones, yes, you do need the boundaries. However, they're the ones that have to get up in the morning and go to school with the less so kind of what you said, you know, they're the ones that have to deal with it. So let them learn the hard way. I mean, you need to tell them, I don't approve of this. Turn the lights off, whatever. This is just a small example. But I would say, big time, pick your, your battles. Because there are going to be many big battles in the future. And uh, the other thing is, I would uh, recommend really working on trust. Let them trust you, and hopefully you can trust them. Excellent. Hannah, what about you? Well, that's like a lot of everything. Um, um, Definitely what um, Pastor Kelly said about the honoring and the trusting and the respect, I think that needs to go both ways. Like, like, I'm I'm only 16, so... um, you know, I still have, like, times where, like, you know, I get frustrated with my mom, but, like, that happens. You know, we're, we, we can't read each other's mind, you know? Um, but, like, I still have to make the conscious choice to respect and honor my mom. And she she also has always respected and honored and valued my opinion. So there was never a point where I ever questioned, like, like can I trust her? Like, if I say this, like, will she, like, be mad at me? I've, ne- I've never been like that. Like, I've always... Since the beginning, she's always trusted that I'm sensing something for a reason, and because of that, she's like she's protected me. But she's allowed me to she's allowed me to make decisions like show like 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 what they were saying about making the decisions. It's like a decision within a decision. It's pointing them towards the right answers so that they would know when the time comes for them to make a decision, they would be able to make a healthy one. I, quick example, um, when I was 13, I, I wanted to go to the dance with this boy. And so I, I did not need a boyfriend. I did not need any boys in my life, <laughs> for that matter. Um, and my mom, she was like, I don't think you should, but, and I was so insistent. I was like, but mom, he likes me, you know? <laughs> Common, typical girl drama. Um, and so... She finally got to the point where she was like, you know what? You're old enough to make this decision right now. If this is really what you want, if this is really where you feel like this is what God wants for you, then go for it. And at that point, she had already given me the freedom to make the decision. So I kind of was like, do I actually really want this? Like, I had to really think it through. And, like, I I did not want that. And I was able to make the right decision because she gave me the tools from a start, from when I was younger, to be able to make the right decision. Excellent. All right, Gina, what would you add to that? They actually hit a lot of it. (laughs) 
Um, the first thing I thought of is to balance love with discipline. Um, kids do need discipline because those boundaries make them feel safe and loved. Um, so that's important, and God disciplines those he loves. So how much more we should really, we, we need to follow that example. Um, but I wanted to concentrate more on the love thing because um, I think that if we can say yes as much as possible, um, I think that's really good. Save the discipline for outward defiance, um, rebellion, and um, because kids can be irresponsible. Um, but the love, we found that love comes three ways. Um, you bond with someone when you spend time with them, when there's touch, and when there's talk. So um, for time, we spend a lot of time as a family and part of that was because we homeschooled, but we sat at the dinner table every night together. That was just something we did. And my kids grew up um, at the family dinner table, and a lot of conversation happens there. There's something about that face-to-face. So spend time as a family, but also it's important to spend time with your kids individually. And one of the things that we would do is um, take Craig was always good about this too Um, it wasn't just me taking the girls on a date but Craig would take time to spend that one on one time every child wants that special attention so that was really huge and he would find out what what does each one enjoy so like for our oldest she loves music and so Craig and her actually even not too long ago she's married but they went and they, they went to a concert together so kids are never too old to be loved on. Um, and, and kids, you know, you hear quality is better than quantity. Uh-uh. Kids need both. They need quantity time. Don't think that just because you've got 10 minutes that that somehow is going to do it for the week. And, you know, for working moms, I know that's a bigger struggle, but family does need to be first. So find time to be with them. Um, touch. Kids need Loving. They need hugs. They need kisses. Um, If your kids are older, you know, high five them. Uh, Let's arm wrestle. You know, there's ways that you can give them a pat on the back and say, I'm proud of you. You know, you did a good job. So, but that touch is really important. Be close to them. Um, If you have to go down to their bedroom at night, you know, to lay hands and pray over them, um, that's important too. Spend time doing that. Um, And then talk. Talk to your kids about everything, because if you don't talk to them first, they're going to hear it from someone else. So you have to talk about the tough things. Um, Listen to them, too. It's very important to listen. Um, Don't always say things like, uh, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. Children need to be heard, um, appropriately, of course. Um, Ask them questions. What are their dreams? What do they struggle with? So... You're asking them what makes them happy and what makes them sad. And another important thing, one of the things that we would do um, from time to time, is ask each child, is there anything I've done to offend you? You would be surprised at the things that come up. Uh, I remember one time specifically we had a conversation, and um, one of our daughters shared something that was so personal and intimate, um, something that, um, if I can say... Craig, Craig, Craig said something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but <laughs> but uh, our our middle daughter is very quiet, and she was able to to speak out and to say it. You know what? If if we hadn't asked, it probably wouldn't have come up. Yes, yes. Um, I accused her, the two girls were running, and I accused one daughter of pushing the younger one in her head, went right into the corner of a countertop and split it up, split it open. So I said, Brady, what are you doing? And she held that for years. I never knew it. And she actually wept as a teenager explaining how, that, how much that hurt her. So, of course, I apologized and told her that I loved her and all that stuff. But l- things you wouldn't even think that, that would register as an offense sometimes do. So that's why it's good to ask you know, every once in a while, I'll do a check, say, hey, listen, love you. Is there anything I've done or said that may have offended you? And clear the slate and move on. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we also have to be really honest with our kids because they can, they can see through any kind of um, <laughs> dishonesty. So be, be honest with your kids. And when you mess up, admit to it and ask for forgiveness. That's really important. And I'd say the last thing is just to be an example. I think our kids catch way more of what they see than what they hear. So be a godly example and pray. Awesome. Would you give it up for this amazing panel? Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Well, listen, we hope that this was valuable to you and that you learned something. Listen, I'm going to pray, um, and then you're free to head out to the atrium, grab some coffee. While I'm praying, I just ask that the ministry team would come up. As soon as I'm done praying, if you would be uh, so courteous as to take your conversations to the atrium, we'd love if you grab some coffee, uh, but we want to keep the, uh, the atmosphere in here respectful for those receiving ministry. If you need prayer uh, for anything, if you have any needs in your life uh, where you need to see God move, please come up uh, after. Uh, and see one of the ministry team. We hope to see you next week for our anniversary picnic. Let's pray. God, thanks so much. We bless your name, God. I just ask that you would seal in our hearts what we've, what we've heard and learned here today, and we just give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Bless the rest of our day and our holiday weekend. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. Have a good day.